Well, I hope you believe that, that the Word of God has power to change our hearts. As we're going to look this morning, the Word even has power to change our thoughts, our thinking. In Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. I forgot to mention earlier, uh, the Knowles are on vacation, so that's where they're at, in case you're wondering if you missed seeing them here today, so they're on vacation through this weekend. Um, so we're thankful for that, and they have that opportunity. The human brain has a great capacity, has a great capacity to do weird things. Have you ever noticed that? That your mind is really weird and odd? Have you ever told somebody something, either something that they needed to do, or it was just a random thought you had, and they looked at you as if you were from another planet? Anybody have that happen to them? Okay, a few of you, thank you for joining with me. It happens to me many times. Any of you wake up from a dream and just marvel, and like, how in the world could my mind come up with that? Like, even in your waking moments, you're thinking, I never could have ever thought of anything like that ever happening. People are in your dreams that you haven't talked to in years, and it just comes up, and we're like, how in the world is this possible? It's shocking what our minds are capable of doing. Any of you seen the movie Inside Out? This happens so frequently. Well, there's this part in the movie where they send this memory back up of the triple dent gum commercial, and just for no reason at all. So the memory never fades because they keep sending it up to Riley's mind, and it keeps playing this annoying song over and over and over again, and it never gets out of her head. We have those songs, don't we, that just never leave us. We're like, why am I remembering this? random song from a commercial from years ago, and yet I can't remember even what I just read. I'm trying to memorize scripture, and I can't even remember that, but yet this commercial keeps coming into mind. Our minds are really weird, really odd. They have great power, though, over what we might do. So we're in Philippians chapter 4. Our minds oftentimes are a mystery, Great capacity. Some of us can memorize quotes from a movie really easily or lyrics from a song. Some of us can read a book in just a few hours, a good thick book. Some of us might be able to compute the most confusing mathematics problems. Some of us might even, not me, but like you out there, might even know how to build a house or how to fix a car. Things that are just beyond my mind. But yet, we have this capability in our minds to really know so much and know how to live it out. Not only to know how to fix the car, but then to be able to do it. It's amazing. So the question for us Christians is, what do we fill our minds with? What's going in our mind that we're going to fill it up and then desire to live it out, to practice it? Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable... Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help to think upon these things. Lord, it's tough for us at times to focus our minds to get rid of um, sinful thoughts and to start thinking upon these types of things. So we pray and we turn it over to you in prayer and supplication 
for whatever worries are in our mind, whatever struggles we're going through in our thinking, that we will just pray and talk to you as we're doing now, that you will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But also that we will then apply this truth to our lives, that we will live it out, thinking upon the things that please you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. From this passage, we see that we are to fill our minds with the glories of Jesus Christ and then live like him. Fill our minds with the glories of Jesus Christ and then live like him. And before we get into the list that's in front of us, and it's kind of tough, as I was working through it, it's kind of tough preaching through a list because you're jumping from one topic to another so quickly. So I'm going to move through the list somewhat quickly so then we can get the whole idea in front of us. But we need to ultimately be dwelling on what pleases God. Now what the Apostle Paul is asking of the Philippians to do, remember, this is something unique to Christians. It's not that somebody who doesn't know Jesus is unable to think about things that are true. They are, right? We don't want to understand and look at these and say that somebody who doesn't know Christ can never do anything true or never fulfill anything that is just. It's not in that way. He's speaking to this in the sense of glorifying God is a uniquely Christian thing to do, to have our minds fixed on what pleases the Lord and bringing glory to him in that. So he says the word finally in verse, five, or verse 8 there. It says in the end of the letter, but it does conclude his thoughts. And from verses 1 through 9, we see Paul giving this high challenge of living and now thinking like a Christian. It says in 2 Corinthians 10.5 that we are to take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is our part in the matter. So many times you hear people say to just let go and let God. To let go is just really to say that I don't have anything more to do with this. I'm just going to give it to you, Lord, and then I'm going to go just go back to my old way of thinking. I'm going to go do, do whatever I want to do. Lord, I'm just going to let go and let you take control of it as if he didn't have control of it in the first place. Last uh, week, Sunday night, I I encourage you to be there on Sunday nights because it really helps us. Because I left last week, Sunday morning, thinking there was so much in that text that I couldn't even cover. I didn't even cover sufficiently even prayer. And yet we talked for a long time about the text. And then as we come Sunday night, it's a good opportunity to take what we hear in the morning and apply it. And maybe get to some of those things we weren't able to in a Sunday morning. And Pastor Kyle was leading Sunday night last week. And again, he brought up something I didn't think of. And it was great, a great thought. He said to, that when we are anxious about things, it's that we're caring too much about them, that they happen the way we want them to happen. We're caring too much. And then the opposite of that is that we don't care at all. So the opposite of being anxious it's just, I don't care anything about the situation, so I'm not going to be able to worry about it. Does that make sense? And so to let go and let God is basically saying, I've been anxious about this. I've been worrying about it. I've been spending too much of my efforts on it. It's not happening the way I want it to happen. Lord, you just take control. I'm just not even going to care anymore. Is that the response that we should have as Christians? Just let go and let God. 
No, because he gives us a command here in verse 8. After he says to, to pray and let your request be made known to God and that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts. So God is doing this. This peace of God is doing something in our lives, but it doesn't mean that we don't have anything that we're supposed to be doing either. It says in, at the end of verse 8, it says, think about these things. So as he says to not be anxious, don't be anxious about these things. He says, pray and then go and think about these things. It's not just, I absolve any part in this matter. I'm just going to forget about it. No, we are required, we are commanded by God to go and do something. It says to go and think about these things. So let's figure out what we are supposed to be thinking about. What is true? Whatever is true, in John 17, 17, says, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. This word, whatever is true, is just what really is. What it is so, that is what it exactly should be. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we're going to see that as we celebrate communion here this morning. That only through Christ can somebody be saved. He is the fullness and the, per- the perfection of truth. And that is why lives, lies are so devastating. It's not because of who they hurt. By being somebody who tells lies or thinks about lies, it's not because of who it might hurt, but it's because it is in contradiction to who Jesus is. Jesus is truth. And that's why we're to think upon things that are true. So think about how might, that might be important to you. What are some things that you're filling your mind with? One thing that we often ask our children when they're worrying about something or they're concerned about something that's not even happened yet, we say, is that true? Is it true that that's going to happen? How do you know? We don't know the future. So just saying, is that true, is a great question to ask. Again, I don't have time to go into all of these uh, sufficiently, so we're going to kind of blitz through it here. Honorable. Think about whatever is honorable. This is a, a fitting behavior. The only time this word is used in Scripture, the only other time, is when it's talking about the character of a deacon. It says, deacons, likewise, must be dignified. It's that word, honorable. Someone of good character. Somebody who is worthy of respect. And so are there practices and things in your life that you're thinking about that are not fitting behavior for a Christian? Somebody who loves and knows Jesus, that those things that you are thinking about are not fitting behavior for you. Because we only do the things that we think about doing, right? It rolls through our minds like, I think I should do this, and then you go and do it. So what is in your mind, filling your mind, that's leading you to the actions that you are doing? Just. Basically, it's conformity to God's standard. Micah 6, 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God? And this is not the social justice gospel where it says that everyone has a right to equal upward privilege. This is a call not to right all of the wrongs in our culture. This word is just is conformity to God's standards. What does God say is right and true? That's what is right and true not what our culture says. And so we are to treat everyone in a just way according to the standards of God. Not our society, but no matter who they are, 
no matter what color they are, what they wear, no matter their economic status or where they come from, we are to focus our minds on things that are right and treat people in a just manner and think about justice. If it's in your hands to do something just according to God's standards, then we should do it. We should be thinking about the things that are right. Next one here. It's pure. Whatever is pure. This is just generally a free from sin. While it does have, speak to sexual purity, that's not just the only thing that it's talking about when it's talking about purity. Think about the purity of Christ. Perfection, blameless in every area of his life living out in his mind. That is what we are to set our minds on. Things that are pure. This might mean that we need to, need to stop watching certain shows on Netflix or YouTube. It might be that there's certain music that doesn't help your mind to think upon things that are pure. There's a lot of that in our culture. <laughs> That's trying to get our minds to think away from things that are free from sin. They want us to think about sinful things. So guard your minds. Think upon things that are pure. Whatever is lovely. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That should be a D there, sorry. It's agreeable. So we're meaning agreeable. It's the, the root word is in brotherly love that he's talking about here. Think about things that are agreeable. Does your line of thinking make you a contrarian? Where even though you agree with the statement that was made, you like to play the other side just to stir things up. Anybody know somebody like that? It's like they're always against whatever it is, even though you know they agree with it. They're just trying to make trouble. Romans 12 says that we need to be living peaceably with all as we have opportunity to try to be at peace with one another. So we need to be thinking about things that are lovely and agreeable. Not that we agree with sin because that would go against thinking about what is pure, but that we are thinking on what is lovely, that we can be kind and something that is pleasing something that causes others to be pleased. Love believes all things, taking people at their word. If they made a mistake, then we don't assume and attribute that they were just out to get us, but that maybe they just made a mistake. (laughs) Maybe they, in their sin, that we're not out to pounce on them, but we want to point them to Christ. Think about things that are lovely. Think about things that are commendable. These are things that are deserving of approval or worth talking about. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What is something that you think deserves approval? Now, some of you out there think that the term hammocking is deserving of approval, and that you should use the word hammocking. That is not a word. It is not a verb. Okay, it's a noun. You lay in a hammock. You relax in a hammock. You do not go hammocking. It's not an active thing. Okay, you're taking a nap. So just like you're laying in your bed, you're not going bedding. You know, you just, you sleep in your bed. Totally different. I do not approve of that. Some of you think baseball is worth talking about. I do not, I know. Half of you are just like, okay, I'm checking out of the service. No more. But I'm not in that camp. That's okay. It's okay to talk about sports. It's all right to talk about weather and how warm it is and what we have to do this week, all those things. But aren't there other things that we can think about that are really worthy of talking about? 
that are really worth something, that are truly have eternal value to them, in order for us to be talking about them, we need to be thinking about them. Thinking about the eternal mindset. That I don't know if you've walked away from gatherings before where you think, and maybe even it's even in church, where you're like, I don't think I talked about the Lord once. I sat and listened to somebody talk about the Bible and talk about God, but as my conversations, I only talked about the weather, how my week's going, I don't think I brought up Jesus once. Have you ever left church, that happening to you? Think about things that are eternal, that are worth talking about. Things that are commendable. Now, excellence. This is where we have a change in the language in the text. He says, now, if there is any excellence, if there's any excellence, we need to be thinking about this. This is talking about a moral excellence. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We know that part. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. The excellence of God himself. He's saying, think about those things. Moral excellence, that's a tough thing to do. Because there are a lot of good people out in the world, right? Quote, unquote. A lot of people who do nice things. You know somebody who doesn't claim Christ, who's a kind person. You know somebody who's caring and just nice, just a general nice person. Right? So what are we going to do then that would be excellent, that would stand out and show who Jesus Christ is? Is just being kind as everyone else is kind? Is that going to be enough for them to say, wow, what is different about you? But usually it's in terms of uh, tough circumstances, those things that are making us anxious, letting our reasonableness be known to everyone, even people it's tough to let our reasonableness, gentleness be known to the things that stand out, that is uniquely Christian, that says there's something different about you than the other nice people that are around. What is that? When you have this moral excellence that we're thinking about, which we're thinking about Christ, worthy of praise, this is something approval or applause. It says, praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples. Can you praise God for that? That's something I often heard Pastor Mike say when he was uh, talking with somebody or discerning on what to watch or should I watch that show, should I listen to that music. Can you, he said, at the end of it, can you say, honestly praise God for that? And if you can, awesome, praise the Lord. If you can truly praise God for whatever it is you're saying, what you're thinking, what you're doing, all those things, if you can praise God for that, then keep on doing it. But if you can't, if it's something that you're trying to hide, it's something that you really don't want anybody else to know about, then I'm guessing it's not worthy of praise. And so we probably shouldn't be doing that. So as we made our way through this entire list, again, not being able to thoroughly cover everything, we want to help us, we want us to understand this. Every single one of these things, it's a big list for us to try to keep in our mind If you are thinking about your Savior, Jesus Christ, you're going to be thinking about these things. It really sums it up. Jesus is truth. Is there any lies or any falsehood in Christ? Is there anything dishonorable in Jesus? No. He's the most honorable. He did everything perfectly while he lived in this sin-cursed world. Is he just? Does he do everything according to the standards of God? I think we know the answer to that. 
Is he pure, free from sin? Absolutely. Is he lovely? Is he just wonderful to think about? Maybe we don't often think about Jesus this way, that he is lovely. He is commendable. Jesus is excellent in every way, shape, and form. He is morally excellent and pure, and he is definitely worthy of praise. He is the only one who is truly worthy of all praise and all glory. This all centers around Christ. If you want your minds to be fixated on these things, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise, think about Christ. Have him in your mind. As you're going throughout your day thinking, how would Jesus be pleased with this thought? How would Jesus respond if he was sitting right here next to me watching TV with me? Would he enjoy this? What is Jesus? Who is he? Our minds were made to know and love God. Our minds were made to know and love God, so our minds are to be fixed on him. We don't think upon these things so that people like us more or so that we just look better in front of others. We think about these things because we love Jesus. So the question is, what's your mind engaged in? What do you spend your week filling your mind with? How much time do you give towards reading Scripture? How much time do you give towards memorizing Scripture? Or how much time do you give towards listening to Scripture? There's great godly podcasts out there that can help fill your mind with Jesus. How much do you talk about Jesus in a given week? You might be thinking, I'm not allowed to talk about him at work, but you can talk about things that are morally excellent, can't you? Instead of just the weather and sports, you can talk about kindness, mercy, grace. That will get people, why are you talking about those things? That's not normal. And it draws you to be able to talk about your Savior. Let's think about things that please God. Let's think about Christ. And then in verse 9, he says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. It's one thing to learn truth. It's another thing for, it to, for you to receive truth into your heart. Right? When you learn a truth, that means you know it in your head. You know all the facts around it. There are tons of secular colleges across our country that have Bible professors who know a lot about this. They know a lot about God's word. They might even know Greek. They might even know Hebrew. They have a lot of facts But there are so many of them who have not received the truth. They don't believe it. This is just a fairy tale. It's just a story, they might say. R.C. Sproul says this, that the word of God can be in the mind without being in the heart. But it cannot be in the heart without first being in the mind. We have to know God's word if we're going to be able to receive it and bring it into our heart. And that's what Paul here is saying. He said, you have learned it and received it and heard and seen in me. So in everything he's saying, everything that I've told you, everything that I've shown you in your life, it's not just that you have learned it in your head, which is a vital component. You need to learn it in order to receive it into your heart. But you have received it. You believe it. We've heard a lot of truth from rejoicing in the Lord always to not being sinfully anxious. Has that landed in your heart yet? Now, I'm not going to be fooled into thinking that just because one sermon was preached on it, we have it all figured out. 
But do you desire for that truth of do not be anxious about anything? Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Do you, have you received that where you believe it and you know that you should apply this to your life and you need to love Christ more through all of these things? Do you believe it? Not that you've attained perfection in all of it, but do you believe that that's how you should be living as a believer? Paul continues to put himself on the front lines. He's not just preaching to them, but he's living it out in front of them. He is a Christian just like all of them are, and he's not exempt from living a Christian lifestyle where he says, I can just preach it, and then I can go and do what I want. Do what I say, not what I do. But We need to see how even as he is not with them, that they need to be practicing these things of God. We're not doing it alone. I love this. He says, and the God of peace will be with you. Back in verse 7, he says, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. But as he's saying that you need to practice these things, we can look at this list and think, this is too much. I can't handle all of this. You mean I have to work on rejoicing always, being gentle to everyone, not being anxious, and pray, and then think about everything on this list? Are you kidding me? That is way too many things to have to apply to my life. I can't handle that. He says, if you're practicing these things, the God of peace will be with you. Not being with you as if he's not with you now, but he will be with you to enable you to practice these things. We have this God of peace with us as the Lord is at hand. He says, as we rejoice always in him, he's able, gives us the ability to, and we're not doing any of these things alone. That's the one thing that, is, again, is unique about Christians that somebody who doesn't know Christ can't do. They might be able to think about things that are true. It's possible that they'll have their mindset on things that are pure and, and just they won't always be thinking about sinful things. But the peace of God, the God of peace, will not be with them because they don't know him. They're going to be striving to do it on their own. But we have the God of peace with us to enable us, to comfort us, to encourage us, to forgive us when we fail. We read this earlier. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The reason why this truth is so helpful to us is because we have Christ. And he gives us the ability to do these things because he himself did all of these things perfectly. I'm going to read a somewhat lengthy quotation from one of the commentaries I was reading, Christ-Centered Exposition Commentary. He sums it up really nicely, and so I'm going to read this, so bear with me. Jesus never broke these commands, the ones that we're just talking about, and he solved all these problems. Christ is the reconciler, the gentle Savior. His gift of salvation causes us to rejoice. He removed our greatest fear and relieves our deepest anxiety through his victorious death and resurrection. That we'll be sharing earlier. His pay, he paid the penalty for those who sinned with their thoughts, and he grants them a new mind in return. Look to the Savior for your righteousness and for daily renewal, and go imitate him. As you do, the peace of God will be with you. Psalm 119, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I love this pairing. (laughs) Loving the law 
will bring you great peace. As you know God's word, as you have God's word in your mind and you're filling your thoughts with the truth of the word, you'll be filling your thoughts with your Savior. And as you are doing this, as you love this this law, nothing can make you stumble. As you're desiring to please God in all these things because this God of peace will be with you. Fill your mind with the glories of Jesus Christ and then live like him. Let's turn our attention over to Romans 6 as we transition our thinking. Romans chapter 6. As we begin to start thinking about the communion in front of us, the broken body and the shed blood of our Savior, and it's not really a far transition if we think about it. It's not too far to go from, here's what we need to have our minds fixed on, here's how we need to be thinking about the glories of Jesus Christ and to be living like him, to where Jesus says, Go and do this. Do this in remembrance of me. He's saying, have communion. Have this be a part of your regular thinking. Have this in front of you so you don't forget my sacrifice. Do this in remembrance of me. To keep in our minds Christ. And so as we're trying to strive to think upon things that are true and pure and lovely and all those, we need to have our minds thinking about the broken body of our Savior. In Romans chapter 6, he says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? He's saying, how can we go back to that old way of thinking? How can we say, I can just think about whatever I want. I'm saved. I got my golden ticket. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. He's like, no. How is that possible? For somebody who has died with Christ, has died to sin, how can we go on and still live in it as if it's not a big deal? That we can just leave here and go do what we want. That we don't have to have our minds changed in thinking like Christ. How can believers think that way? It's like, you can't. If you know Christ... You have been baptized into Christ Jesus. They were baptized into his death. Not the water baptism, but the spiritual baptism. Then he says we were, verse 4, buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We have the ability now to think upon the things of Christ. We have the ability to think like Christ Because we have died with him through our faith and trust in Christ alone for our salvation, we have died with him, and also because we have been raised with him. We have newness of life in our hearts. So we are able to think about these things. We're able to practice these things. We are able to live and think for the glory of God. So let's pray together as we commit our time then to focusing on our Savior through communion. Lord, it's a difficult thing to guard our hearts and minds. It takes effort on our part to open up the word, to read it, to try to observe and interpret and apply it. It takes effort and energy to do those things. Pray that you will help us to desire it, to help us to desire to get into your word so that our mind is fixed on who Christ is, the glories. That is Jesus Christ. 
as we finish up this, this morning, we pray that you'll help us, even through communion, to just fill our minds with the death of Christ, fill our minds with the, the resurrection, and that we are in him now, and we have this newness of life, and we can leave here practicing and thinking about these things because of who Christ is. We're thankful for that in Jesus' name. Amen.